Hey, I'm Aika Spencer, and I love fandom. I love the writing, some of which I create, the art, none of which I create, and the many aspects that make it up. With the pandemic in full swing, I decided the best way not to go crazy was to start a podcast around it. This one, Down the Fandom Hole, Conversations With. So putting on my big girl bra, I took a chance and reached out to other fandom creators, asking if they would like to share their voice and experiences around it. Amazingly, most of them have said yes. So taking a moment, we sit down and chat about topics like creativity, taking risks, self-care, and many more. I am humbled that I got to chat with all of these brilliant and interesting creators from around the world, and it has only cemented my belief that fandom can also be a bridge and common ground to inclusivity. We are all valid, and fandom helps us envision worlds in which we are. God, isn't fandom fucking amazing? Anyway, to keep me from rambling on, let's get this show started. On today's show, E. Kingston and I talk about how she writes believable dialogue, her art and style, and how she met her wife. Also, while listening to today's guest, check out the free companion post on patreon.com slash down the fandom hole. There you'll find some art, if the guest is an artist, and some other fun tittles of information. Thank you for coming on the show today. Of course, fun to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Before we begin, what are your pronouns? Uh, she, her. So let's get this started with your story, You, Me, and Holiday Wine. All right. What kind of inspired it? There are honestly a couple of things. Like the first thing that uh, that comes to mind is the the first time I saw the music video to Last Christmas, that song by Wham. I don't know if you know it. I think everybody probably knows it. Yes. It, it's played incessantly around the holidays every year, and it certainly <laughs> was when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being five years old or like, I don't know, eight years old maybe when I saw it first and thinking that the concept was just absolutely magical. Like, I mean, dubiously unrequited love in a romantic getaway cabin in the snow, mm-hmm. uh, significant glances exchanged in across a room full of friends, uh, snowball fights and like hurling yourself down a mountain while you're mildly intoxicated and rocking the absolute awesomest 80s hairdos imaginable. <laughs> uh, what is not the like, right? No, exactly. So I, always, I always wanted to go on a getaway like that myself. And last year, I almost got my wish because uh, me and a few of my fandom friends were beginning to seriously consider going uh, to Colorado in the in the snow in the mountains and renting a cabin and hanging out there and making good food and trying to ski and, you know, trying not to break everything, uh, every bone in my body. Mm-hmm. And I was really looking forward to it, but the pandemic happened. So that got into in, in the way. And so I decided to turn it into a Supercorp fic instead. Nice. And that's not even all of it, because um, I also owe a lot of the story or the details of the story, I guess, to um, that time my wife and I almost froze to death on a romantic getaway. <laughs> what? Are you willing to share that? Because that sounds very interesting. <laughs> um we uh went on a lot of road trips through the united states uh when i would visit her in the united states when i still lived here uh, and she still lived there and uh, one of those road trips we were in northern arizona during the holiday season and 
I had never been there before. And I thought up until that point that Arizona was just hot and bright. So I was in t-shirt and wearing sneakers and jeans and just, you know, not even wearing a coat or anything. And mm-hmm. so it started snowing <laughs> and I was really surprised. And then the surprise kind of quickly turned to horror when we both realized that we were in the middle of a snowstorm and it wouldn't be stopping anytime soon. And so our car did not have snow chains and it didn't have much of a thread left on the tires either. So we were actually driving. And at one point, my wife pulled up to the stoplight and uh, we could feel the car and then see the car, I guess, uh, slowly sliding. I think it went like into the next lane. And it just kept slowly sliding over uh, until it was all the way to the curb. Oh, my God. And we were actually at the light across from a police car that saw this all happening. And we were like, okay, we should probably not be in a car right now. So we realized we should probably stay the night and wait until the roads were clear to keep going. So we ended up stopping at the first place that we could find, which was this tiny youth hostel, I think. And we found our rooms. And the rooms were about as well prepared for snowy weather as we were because there was a huge gap under the door to our room. And the door let out directly into the parking lot. So there wasn't even like a hallway or anything. So Ah. we realized if we were going to survive the night, we would probably have to take some extra measures. So we walked into town and that was this tiny touristy town. And we went in search of thermal underwear, just anything long that would cover us and extra blankets and... Mm. That's how we made it through the night. And I'm very glad that we ended up shopping that way because the next morning when we woke up, uh, the snow had actually blown under the door and there was a snowbank maybe two feet away from our bed. So <laughs> that was um, interesting. So you had snow in the room? Yes, snow in the room. Oh my God. Talk about an adventure that makes a great adventure. Although I'm happy you're alive. <laughs> Yeah, we were, we were, we were too. <laughs> and you have to know, my wife is like the biggest worst when it comes to being cold. So uh, yeah, her chances of surviving that night were not great. And yet she did. She's a very brave woman. And at the time that I started, I was on Tumblr uh, a lot in the Supercorp fandom. And the bullet point fic was something that I came across very often. I think Sunny, who I think too much, did a few of them. And I thought, hey, I can do it like that. It's it's an easy way for me to find my way back to writing fic because it had been a while. And so I started on the bullet points. And as I progressed, it just became longer and longer and longer and longer. And I was like, okay, this is I am not going to be able to do this as a bullet point fic. And now next thing I know, it's going to be about seven chapters long. So that was probably the right call. Oh, wow. I can't wait to see how it evolves, especially since they're both kind of Lena's thirsty, and Kara is not in any way, shape, or form oblivious. She is fully aware of her attraction to Lena because there was that. I hope I'm not spoiling it for anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Because there was something (laughs) that made it difficult for her. If you haven't read the fic, it kind of was a good um, obstacle, which was a nice background subplot to everything that you learn about slowly as the story unfolds, which was um, very good. And so (laughs) (laughs) which character do you see yourself most in? I'm going to say that I'm probably in this specific scenario. I am Sam. (laughs) I'm just looking 
in from the outside and watching this go down and having uh, being deeply invested in them getting together <laughs> and also kind of enjoying how much of an idiot uh, Lena is and at the same time being fully exasperated with her I'm like okay just you know get it together face reality face what you want and uh, just choose yourself choose joy for a change instead of endless responsibility and resentment you know on the whole outside looking in scenario i definitely enjoy that alex keeps coming in and startling the crap out of lena all the time <laughs> <laughs> and you just read it so calmly you're like <laughs> Yeah, she's uh, she's she's being a ninja in this story. I really enjoyed having fun with that. I was actually afraid I was overdoing it, but I, I couldn't help myself. It was just too much fun. Well, it was nice because it was reminiscent of the fact like her character in the show works for a secret agency, and so she knows how to be quiet and stealthy. stealthy. Yeah, but here she's a heart surgeon, so but she still has those <laughs> stealthy moves, and so she employs them. And you're like, oh, and then. The side relationship of Sam and Alex as a unit is really sweet. And I'm like, I can't wait to find out what happened with um, Sam. Are we going to get to see that? I'm not sure yet. I've actually considered that uh, a bit. I wanted to make sure to include it in the story. I had a, a small crisis about it that I had to talk through with my wife because at one point it was very obvious that as I published chapters, the people who were reading it were responding most enthusiastically to the humor components and I wanted to be careful with that because some people were actually expressing how the fluffiness and the lightness the fact that it made them laugh was helping them through a difficult time probably the combination of dealing with COVID and the holidays and mm -hmm. saying you know this is exactly what I needed just to take my mind off of the serious things but I had had it in my head that I really wanted to address the fact that Sam had been ill uh, and that she was dealing with that I, f I felt attached to that idea I like it about her character. I like that she can still have a full life and still have the sense of humor and also having dealt with that really serious thing because that's what life is like for a huge number of people. So it was important to me, but I was hesitant about putting it in. And I still have that. I'm trying to strike a balance between not making it heavy and still, I guess, respecting the choices that I made for her character before. I actually think the fact that she's had this um, it seems like it was actually a very heavy moment in her life that was very, that it tested her so greatly that I think for me in my head that it, it informed why she was the way she was. Like, you know, she could have almost died. And so she sees her friend who is constantly just nose to the grindstone, living her life through work, not enjoying things because her life informed her to this present. And so, but she knows that her and Kara would be a really good match. And so, you know, she orchestrated this because why would you take files that, you know, someone needed and not to be a catalyst. So I think Sam's dark history in quotation marks, because I can't think of a better word for it, is the reason why she can be so bright. And I think that's nice, which I think is also the reason why Kara can be so bright because if I recall correctly unless I'm I've read too many fics this week she's still a foster sister to Alex but you know she also had tragedy in her life and I think you hit upon it and if you didn't I apologize if I got it mixed up I, with I did else's. very briefly yeah you're, so you're right the dark components of everyone's characters 
I think when we honor that in the humor of what they bring to their lives now, it's always good because I did the hard stuff and I can laugh about it. Right. And it's not just about having a sense of humor about things that have happened to us because it's not always possible. And I perfectly respect that, but it does inform us and it informs us like who we are and the way that we look at the world, the way we look at each other, mm-hmm. the way we interact with each other and the way we are allowing ourselves to trust again and the things that we allow ourselves to want. And I'm really glad that you, uh, that you said that, that you felt like it granted some weight to the story, some emotional weight, because that's exactly what I was after. I wanted to make sure that there was emotional weight to the relationship between Sam and Alex, for Alex seeing her through, seeing her and her daughter through this difficult time, and to exactly what you're talking about, the the background to Sam's motivations of wanting to see Lena choose herself and choose happiness, because she's been there and she knows what it's like. And I'm, I'm glad, really glad that that came across. I mean, on the grander scale of superhero and supervillains, the only difference between them, really, are the choices they choose, right? A supervillain could easily be a superhero and vice versa. So, you know, it's how we use those tragic moments to fuel us. Do we feel it for someone else needs this pain as well, or no one else should have this pain? Yeah, it's the lessons that we learn, right? The conclusions that we draw from the things that happen to us. We try yes. to make our own story, and that will inform our choices. So do you closely identify with Sam in this, or is she kind of just someone you enjoy being? If not, is there someone else in this in this story that you identify more with? I think that there's probably a little bit of myself in all of them. I think that's usually how it goes when you're writing, because it would be very difficult for me to not put anything at all from myself into these characters. I'm obviously uh, writing from Lena's viewpoint, so that helps a little bit, but I promise I am not as bitter or (laughs) as dramatic as she is, although my internal monologue can sound much like her on my worst days, I guess. I'm sure that's true for everyone. Yeah, I guess so. The humor of of Sam definitely resonates with me. I don't think that I could be as funny as her in a real-life conversation with Lena, though. I think I would have lost my patience at this point. You've got a lot of patience for Lena. But, you know, I think she's also being hindered by the fact that they have that thing going on. So I'm sure if she didn't have that, maybe she'd be more forceful, even though she did tell her friend that there was one going on, I believe. I think she was the one who told her, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I've had to make a uh, spreadsheet for myself about who is aware of what at this point and which bets they will have going because it became a little bit too much for me to keep track of. So are you more of a pantser or a plotter? I think I land somewhere in the middle. I enjoy myself the most if I have the vaguest idea of the sort of plot that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I really like having a sort of framework that I can drape my story over. But the most enjoyable writing that I do is if I don't have to think too much about, okay, you need to hit this plot point here. You need to be headed over there. That's when things get really rough for me. I need to be able to kind of rely on my characters uh, and on the, the language itself to direct me places to write because that that's my favorite way to be, to just kind of follow the stream of, oh, hey, I wasn't planning on this, but it really worked. Uh, I like that best. So you like the constructed mystery of it all. Like, you know, the baseline, but then whatever kind of happens in between the cracks, you're like, oh, this is nice. This is 
a nice addition kind of thing. Yeah, when things just things just gonna start happening when you're in a flow, I'm sure that you uh, that you recognize that. It just sometimes a character will come out or a conversation will go somewhere else entirely that you had planned. You're like, oh wait, I guess we need to address this now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For your characters, you have such really you have a very good structure for the dialogue. That it feels very natural, like when Kara and Ruby are being goofy on the sideline. You know, when they're talking to each other, there's the dialogue within the action that just flows really well. Do you have any tips for that or like how do you kind of pull that out and create that? Uh, I may have, although I do feel horribly underqualified to give any sort of advice. And I think in my experience, it's different for everybody. And I feel also that everybody has uh, the things that they're better at and the things that they're maybe not as good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I'm lucky in the sense that I enjoy writing dialogue and I think that, um, that joy probably shows, but I also think very often dialogue gets treated as just the way to provide exposition and move the plot forward. And I would suggest kind of just forgetting about that and treating it as a tool to explore your characters and the way that they relate to each other. I, I really like writing dialogue and I like listening to the way that people interact in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, not just the things that they say, but the way they say them, like uh, their tone, the gestures that they make with their hands and the things that they choose not to say sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I would probably advise people to just start there, just uh, observing, just paying attention to the way that people actually talk to each other and then trying to recreate that. Most of my initial notes for Holiday Wine read like screenplays. I even told my wife, this entire story is just going to be about a bunch of people sitting around and talking to each other. And I was very glad that she reminded me that that's actually one of the things that I like most about fan fiction when I'm a Mm -hmm. reader, Uh, like characters having conversations that they never get to have in canon. I feel like I'm drawn to those stories in general. And I also think uh, most of my stories start with dialogue, usually just this tiny snippet of of an exchange between people. And then I'm just it's like a jumping off point where I start wondering like who was the person who said that and what's the context. And if you're really lucky, the characters continue the conversation when you're sitting down to write. Although sometimes you just stop talking. That's kind of a shame. And then once they get comfortable uh, in the conversation, I like to do something to throw them off, uh, like create a conflict or have one character say something completely out of left field or throw a punch or something, just anything that is unexpected. And then basically I can just sit back and write down what happens. I think another thing that really helps me with writing dialogue is um, to think of a few possible answers. If, if you have one character ask a question or even make a remark, mm-hmm. think of the three most outlandish comebacks that you could probably, that you could possibly uh, expect from the other person just to throw it off. I guess throw off a rhythm, make sure that it's an, something completely unexpected, not like deliberately try to interrupt the flow sometimes. I think that makes it lively. Is that how you kind of translate it into humor too as well? Yes. I think uh, a lot of humor is usually in things not turning out the way that you had expected. Oh, yeah. That's definitely where my humor comes from half of the time, in my life especially. Can you give me an example? <laughs> I'm curious now. Uh, I am trying to think of one, but it's too early for me, sadly. 
it's probably for the best. Watch it turn up in one of my stories. I do that all the time to just borrow from life. But that's how you do it, right? That's how you craft a really good story. It's your, it's a translation of your experiences into a character who, who you can use, to utilize to get it out of the world. And maybe if it's a tragic moment, then you can also facilitate your own healing and catharsis. For sure. I think that's very important, actually. I mean, it's not an original idea. I've seen it uh, on social media. I talk to friends about it frequently. But uh, a story that's just sad or grim for the sake of being sad or grim, that's not what I want to read or, or watch anymore. I, I enjoy the, the darkness and stuff. And every now and then, I guess it's all right mm -hmm. to just kind of sit in that because that can be kind of cathartic in itself just because sometimes life really sucks. And it's nice to see that reflected on screen sometimes. But what is really valuable to me is watching characters then show that, that you can get through it, that you can use it sometimes, that you can uh, develop because of it or in spite of it, get yourself to a, a better place. And I, uh, I really enjoyed the stories that we already have in this fandom that really take it seriously, that, that message, I guess, of all is not well, but it can be well again. And here's kind of one of the ways that you could do it. So are those the kind of fix that you're drawn to? Frequently. I uh, used to stay away from the stuff that advertised itself as being angsty. Not so much anymore. It really depends on the writer. But sometimes it's just really gratifying to read the drama and the pain and the trauma that some of these characters have gone through. It started that way in canon anyway. And I believe that in Supergirl, the canon doesn't always address all the horrible things that have happened to thus far. Mm -hmm. So I feel it's valuable that fiction writers have taken that upon themselves to deal with, to just write some conversations between these characters even, or having them go to therapy. Yes, like um, Jill's story. He needs yes. to talk about Kara, I believe. Yeah, that was a good one. I, sure. I myself, I'm drawn to those kind of stories as well. I like when the characters sit in that pain and they examine it and they kind of let it become part of who they are, but without making it into something bad. They can find the beauty of it. And the. I'm like, it sucks to say that there's beauty in death or there's beauty in tragedy, but I, it's kind of like what I've been talking about throughout this conversation is that if you can find the silver lining in the tragedies, you are able to utilize those in a way that brings out your kindness, at least to me, more, and your compassion and your understanding of others. And so I think for me, because I do that a lot, it allows for a lot of leeway for others. Like maybe I'll miss certain things about them. But then I'll also see other things about them. Like I'm less trusting about them, but I'm more forgiving to them. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I'm also thinking of that silver lining sentence. I think uh, where a lot of people go wrong or uh, get hurt is where they tell themselves that while they are going through something horrible, they end up beating themselves over the head for being incapable of seeing the beauty or getting themselves up or leading themselves, finding a way out of it, uh, taking longer than they think that they should. And mm -hmm. I think that's there's danger in that too. I think frequently when something really bad happens, uh, it is impossible for many people, for many scenarios, to really think about how 
they might come out of this, how they might end up, I guess, braiding this experience into the rest of their lives and having it come out as something that will make them stronger or creating something more beautiful in the future. And I, I think sometimes people end up making it harder for themselves thinking, you know, I should be doing better. I should be working harder because there are times when it's just, it's okay to rest and just be with that pain. No, yeah, um, completely. I, I think time. you should, the shoulds, it's the shoulds that always make it hard, right? It's like, I should be here. I should be this. I should be more established. I should be better at what I'm doing. I shouldn't make so many mistakes. Uh, shoulds are going to kill you, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's my philosophy in life. And but no, being able to ask for help and getting help and not being vulnerable to get that help is strength, at least to me. So absolutely. Yeah, that's another big one. It's good when there are that kind of stories in it. And like when you touched upon it with Sam and how she's grateful and she's worried at the same time that she's asking Alex to marry her, not for um unselfish reasons because but um because she just doesn't want she wants someone who will be there for her daughter. And I thought that was really sweet and really true to true to a lot of people who might have gone through that kind of whatever that tragedy is or that hurdle in life you know who had someone who was always there for them and who stepped up it was just I actually kind of cried at that scene mainly because I thought it was so beautiful and thoughtful and that's what most people want to find I think is someone who will be there during their darkness or their tragic moments and still want to be there after so yeah for sure i like that about this story uh awesome amazing cool (laughs) (laughs) um so how do you gain a handle on your characters voices because your dialogue between them was very different and the words you used when they were talking definitely create the difference in nuance when you maybe when Sam was talking to Lena or Kara was talking to Sam and then you know like Kara was more playful with Ruby but she was also still playful when she was talking to Lena but the playfulness was very different and so how do you kind of get a grip on their voices um that's a that's a tough question to answer I felt like before writing Kara, for sure, I wanted to watch a little bit more of the show because I believe that Kara is, is, would never be this Kara if we didn't have uh, Melissa playing her. Mm-hmm. So much of, of her character is purely because of that woman, that actress. She is fantastic. She brings so much to that part. I didn't actually realize this until I started hanging out on Tumblr and seeing the gifts that people make. Uh, about her facial expressions, even thinking, oh my gosh, this is so much better than I ever realized. She's, she's incredible. Mm-hmm. But the same goes for uh, what she brings to the character on screen, obviously. So it helped me to watch a few more of her scenes, especially the ones that have a deeper emotional resonance, like the ones where she's with her sister. Mm-hmm. So that I, I did that for Kara. I think for Lena, the story obviously heavily leans on her internal monologue and Getting acquainted with Petty Lena has been really fun, but I feel like I've gotten that from her from the beginning. When I started thinking of 
Lena as a character and the kind of Lena that I wanted to portray in my art. I don't know if this came from hanging out with Supercorp friends, fandom friends, but she really took on that part really quickly for me. She has a petty streak for sure. That's what makes her funny. And we don't see that on screen so much, but there's just enough sparks that you think, yeah, she could be that. If we could listen in on our internal monologue on the show, this would, there would be humor there for sure. So I just tried to kind of ride that. And I think at one point I thought, oh, I'm so overdoing this. But then I thought, then I saw how people responded and uh, that set my mind at ease. Okay, she can talk about Greek mythology and uh, <laughs> make these comparisons and uh, talk about how she's going to die if, if she's just a little bit cold and it's all fine because I think we can probably all relate a little bit. Her slight self-absorption was very endearing. Like, she's like, I'm going to die. These people are trying to kill me. Colorado hates me. <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> and then she fully engages in it, too, which is you're like, OK, so she's reticent, but she's willing to kind of engage. But she does it incrementally because, like, she wore the onesie, right? She's like, right. I have to wear this onesie. Right. But then Tara <laughs> got super close to her. And then she's like, OK, maybe this onesie's not so bad. <laughs> and, you know, like, she's like, you're so soft and. It was like, I wanted yeah, to see get seen in real life. She gets dragged in, right? I mean, all these people are irresistible. Yes, because she really wants that. But she's just, you know, she's got her walls and her obstacles up just so that she can't have it because she's lost it so many times, right? So, but Kara slowly chipping away at her. And, you know, I like the fact that Kara is fully cognizant of what she's doing because, Alex informed her of something, but she's more than willing to kind of step up and be something else at the tail end of it. So, all right, moving back. What's your writing process? You did touch upon it where you like to kind of plot things and have a infrastructure frame to kind of drip your story. What kind of inspires you to do things, talking about things out with your friends? And yeah, that definitely helped. Do you want to add to that? Uh, sure. I feel like I'm actually, I owe a little bit of a debt to the friends that I've made in the Supercore fandom, the ones uh, that I hang out with on Discord, mm-hmm. because we cheer each other on a lot. And I came to that Discord just as an artist. Nobody really knew that I wrote as well, mm-hmm. because it had been so long. And they're, they're a community of people who write and uh, artists combined. And I started participating in writing sprints where you just sit down for a number of minutes and get as many words on paper as you possibly can. And I feel like that really did miracles for my writer's block. That was very, very, very severe for a very long time. And it kind of pulled me out of that. And I'm very grateful for that. And we would share snippets of our stories and uh, like, oh, my gosh, you need to post this. I need to see how this goes on or how did you do that or this looks amazing. Uh, please, uh, please continue this. Please share this. So that was very, very helpful, very inspirational for sure. So was the writer's block for some original stuff that, that you were working on? I'm not sure if I can even call it a writer's block because I have been writing over the past years. It's just never gotten to a point where it has something resembling a plot. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm still even writing creatively, but it's usually just a scene here and there, and it never starts to come together. It never turns into a story that I could publish somewhere because it's so disjointed. And you and me and Holiday Wine is the first time in a long while that I've been able to come up with a plot, characters, uh, a way to put things together, and hopefully a satisfying resolution. And so that has made me really happy this year that I've been able to do that. Nice. 
it sounds like it's been helping you to kind of coalesce as a writer. It sounds like you already knew what you needed to do, but that being able to write this funny, easygoing, sometimes angst-filled story was a good, it just sounds like it gave you a lot. It benefited you a lot. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. And the humor was actually surprising because in my first draft, this was just more of a romance, and I had never written humor before. And it just kind of happened. I'm like, okay, I'm going to embrace this because this is, this is fun. I'm having, I've been having a great time writing it that way. Yeah, there were times where I was just, like, cracking up laughing, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. Good, <laughs> Good. excellent. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, and then that just kept making you wanted to read it more and more and more and more and more, and then I'm like, oh, it's... It's it's like, oh, she's not finished with it yet. That's right. And I'm just like, I can't wait for the next chapter. But no pressure. Sorry. That didn't mean to sound like that. <laughs> I can't wait either. Trust me. <laughs> so what kind of fix inspire you? And what are some of your recommendations? Okay. I have um, almost too many to list. <laughs> uh, we have this huge fandom uh, that uh, is is extremely rich with uh extremely talented fandom creators so um even my uh recommendation bookmark list on ao3 would not com- not include everybody that i would want to give a shout out to uh but there are particular people that i definitely feel like i should give a shout out to uh just because their work has touched me in some way or even just because their energy or their conversations with me have given me something that I have benefited greatly from. I think that one of the first people that got me into the Supercorp fandom was Jasperture and her fic, uh, which I think is extremely well-crafted. And I remember reading that she was new to writing and thinking, I hate her for this <laughs> because it is, uh, it was just right off the bat. It was great. And it was fantastically entertaining. I still enjoy her stuff a lot. And there's obviously Valkyries, who I've had the, the pleasure of hanging out with a little bit, uh, who is both uh, an awesome person, extremely smart, and her writing definitely reflects it. Extremely engaging, very emotionally resonant and original. Lately, I have uh, gotten acquainted with Fic from Sea Writings. I think probably not a very unfamiliar name right now. Uh, she has written gorgeous stuff and Roby, I am Roby, I think, on Tumblr. Very, very inspiring, too. I really uh, enjoyed the Morning Glory AU that she did, uh, obviously because I ended up drawing something for her, which often happens when I read something that is that well-written. HR Winter, for sure, and not only because she writes genius stuff, but because she has single-handedly, I think, delivered the holiday wine fic to the world. In the embryonic stages, she definitely made it into more of publishable work. Not that she actually edited stuff, but just her motivational speeches or gentle bullying, whatever you want to call it, helped me <laughs> a lot. So as far as inspiring goes, I think that that is as comprehensive as I, I can make it. <laughs> it's obviously not everybody uh, I can think of, but uh, that's, a, that's a large group of them. That sounds really good. And yes, I definitely agree. Roby's fic, her wedding date AU, definitely inspired my effect too the a fine frenzy so I, I i get what you're putting down it's wonderful right when art <laughs> inspires art that's another thing i feel at this point that my art is much more often inspired by things that i have read by fan fiction writers than by the actual show 
And I didn't realize how much of a wonderful thing it was to have somebody draw or make art of scenes from your story until I ended up publishing a story of my own and being the recipient of art. Mm -hmm. it, it just, it was just mind blowing that in the cross hatches and uh, budge buttons both ended up drawing scenes from holiday wine. And I was just like, I felt like I was in love. <laughs> that was just such a gift. It's just amazing when that happens. I love when art makes art happen. Right. It's, uh, it's just so synergistic and collaborative and I love that and yes I would love if someone would um, make an art piece for one of my fix but alas not yet one day not yet. maybe <laughs> <laughs> but um, so what do you what do you admire about those authors that inspire you it's usually the language I am a, a big fan of language just the way that they they put sentences together with the exception almost and I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the writers that I just talked about by saying this but even if the story the plot isn't always original which frequently happens because we're doing a use of movies or television shows or ideas that have been done over and over again uh, the way that they capture it the way that they end up writing the words that they use the characterization of these characters the way they talk to each other that lends it originality, obviously, and is a way for you to enjoy it like it's new every time. I have honestly read a lot of stories online, a lot of fan fiction that is better than some of the books that I have on my shelf. And that blows me away every time. And it should not be as much of a surprise anymore after all these years. But the talent out there is truly amazing. And I love that we have access to all of it. I love that it's getting people to write, obviously, like, like Jazz, uh, even Roby, <laughs> not knowing or not even having that sort of spark of, hey, I should, I should maybe try to write a novel and then just, you know, doing exactly that. And it's, it's amazing. And I think I got away from your question a little bit, but um, I, I really seriously feel like I'm reading literature from time to time. And uh, that, is, that is wonderful. I like to live in that language, just the pleasure of it is uh is a gift very enjoyable yeah i enjoy good words too i'm i'm such a word geek it's it's crazy i like breaking down sentences that call to me i guess would be the way to say it but yeah, yeah i i love the written word as well that's one of the things that i enjoy most about being able to write even though sometimes i'm not that great at it sorry i have another kitty coming to get some loving <laughs> I have three of them, guys. They are just little loves. Are they all in, in there with you now? Oh, yeah. They live in my room, basically. But anywhere I go, they basically follow. So I've just got three shadows all the time. Never alone. Even when <laughs> I go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yes. So it's like, can I just get a moment, please? Like having toddlers. Yeah. I think that's why I don't want children. I have cats. <laughs> Good idea. I want to be the auntie more than I want to be the mommy. So, Oh, it is so fun to be an aunt. Let me take your children from you for the day. If you have a break, and, and then, then I give them back. Put them back. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they Sometimes don't come home with me. <laughs> but, um, no, I'm definitely a word geek. Like, any good fic I have, I have this setup where I made a format page where I put the name of the fic and then I put like the page number on a line so that I can go back to it when I'm like need inspiration. It like gives a note and I'm like, oh, this is a good way to put that. And then I try to redo it in my own words. So yeah, it's, yes, it's been it's a good idea. Yeah. So I got a lot of paper. 
printed out because of that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm my own self killing trees, but I have to figure out a way to make it so that I don't keep doing that. Maybe Whatever works, right? Build an Just, app. Uh, yeah. Build an app. Like, oh. But um, humor kind of came out of nowhere for you. Have you noticed a kind of pattern now that you've been writing it so much, or is it still a surprise when you write something that's funny? It is. It's definitely become a pattern now, although I, I'm afraid that uh, one of the reasons that the chapter that I'm currently writing has been delayed is that I started overthinking it. The humor playing such a huge role in this fic was not something that I had originally intended. It just kind of happened. And so I was surprised by the response that that received. And so I'm now, I'm, I'm, I find myself thinking, oh, you better make this funny. You better make this fun. And that might push me just off course slightly. And I mm -hmm. need to uh, remember that it, I, I just need to keep going the way I was. It's almost something that I need to keep allow to happen by accident. So are you like mul writing multiple redrafts of the same thing? Because I do that a lot too. I have considered scrapping what I have for the current chapter and starting over, but I don't want to do that because I do think I have a, a good structure that I, I need to stick to. But what I've been doing is writing the later chapters first uh -huh. and then like moving backwards. And I think that will, uh, that will help. That will get me there. At least I'll know like where to go from this point. It's just a small hurdle that they need to go over that, uh, that I need to beat. But I have faith that my, uh, faith that my wife is going to help me with that. Is she like your cheerleader? A little bit, yeah. I asked her to be my beta reader, and she just consistently tells me, okay, your grasp of the English language might actually be better than mine, so I'm not going to, I don't need to do it for that. But I'm really enjoying the getting a first look at your chapter, so please keep handing to me. But yeah, what she ends up doing is like maybe catching the extra, extra word, the extra and or something somewhere in a sentence. But for plot points, she's also helped. She's like, you know what would be really funny? If there was an elf on the shelf here out of nowhere. And it's like, oh, fuck, that's exactly what that scene needed. Thank you so much. It's just little offhand uh, notes like that that have really helped me stay on course. That elf on the shelf was during the sex scene, right? Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, she suddenly pans towards the elf on the shelf. And you're like, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah, well, that came from my wife's head. <laughs> my wife's lovely, dorky fantastic head yeah <laughs> so do you mind how uh, if i asked how you guys met i don't mind at all and it ties back into this because we met through writing stories we were part of the same forum I, it was live journal back in those days so we were both in a group and we read each other's stuff and we started talking and one thing led to another if we had known from the start, what it was going to turn into, I think we would probably have been more careful because falling in love with somebody on the other side of the planet is not easy. We were long distance for many years before she finally got to move here. Uh, and we are long distance again now. So it's been a journey <laughs> and it hasn't always been easy, but I am super grateful that I got to meet her this way. And it's sometimes frightening to think about how big the chance was that we could have missed each other if we hadn't both happened to join the same life journal community, uh, but we did. And I found her and uh, uh, she makes me extremely happy. She is the most beautiful person I've ever met. And that you guys were willing to take a chance, even though you're thousands of miles away. I mean, that's half the battle, right? Yeah. I don't think that I would have believed beforehand that I was capable of mm -hmm. that. It just, uh, sometimes people would ask, how do you even do it? And, 
at one point you feel like you don't have a choice. You love the other person. So you just take it day by day and you make it work. Mm -hmm. But it definitely puts the relationship to the test. You need, you need to have a, a really good uh, connection with another person that allows you to have open, honest communication. And I think things can go really quickly when you meet somebody online. Uh, for some reason, I feel like it lends itself very well to going very deep, very fast. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, relationships between women, romantic relationships between women have a tendency to go there very quickly already. And this just kind of amplifies that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's something to be mindful of, like mm -hmm. constantly check with yourself. Like, is, is, this, is this where I want this to go? And I still think, even though it took my wife and me uh, nine months before we actually met in real life, uh, I think it's best to do that as quickly as possible so that you don't end up being very invested in a relationship and thinking, all, having all these ideas about what it's going to be and your future together, and then finding out when you actually spend some time in each other's company with each other's friends that, hmm, maybe this is not exactly the person that I thought I had been talking to. They are like very different when they're with their family or it ends up that we have very different values and kind of like decrease that risk a little bit. Just meeting as soon as possible would be an advice that I would give anybody. And I remember um, being very skeptical in the beginning uh, mm -hmm. uh, towards the relationship thinking, how do we know this is going to work? And my wife was much braver than I was. <laughs> I just wanted to hold off and, and see until we met each other how things were going to progress. But we are very fortunate in that the first time we saw each other, we instantly knew, okay, well, this is everything that we thought. We were not misleading ourselves. We were not fooling anybody. Uh, this is the real deal. So let's talk about your art now. And um, what kind of inspires you for that? Okay. Many different things can inspire me. Uh, I feel like I almost never sit down to make art with any set idea about what I'm going to make this time. The only thing uh, usually <laughs> is that it will be Kara and Nina or just Nina because sometimes Kara is impossible, but it, it can be anything like I talked about before reading a really beautiful scene in a fic that I enjoy a lot. Sometimes they just paint the most vivid pictures that makes me want to put it on metaphorical paper. And sometimes it's uh it's something as simple as a movie poster. Yesterday, I uh, I came across a, a picture on Netflix. I was like, oh, I kind of want to draw Lena as an astronaut now, especially since uh, Gavir had, uh wrote about her as an astronaut in last year's uh, zine. But that would be a nice thing to draw. Often just seeing how the light hits Katie McGraw's face <laughs> is very fascinating and something that I just want to capture. Uh, and I think that's that's basically it. It can, it can be many things sometimes feel like it feels like it's nothing at all. I guess coming across a couple's pose in a pretty picture online or thinking about like, oh, remember when uh, me and my wife had that picnic in the park? Wouldn't it be nice to draw a moment like that for uh, Cara and Lena? So uh, you kind of have a varying art style. What makes you choose the styles you choose for the pictures? I don't choose them. <laughs> they choose <laughs> They choose at that moment. I um, I am still extremely new to uh, creating digital arts. I, I learned, uh, obviously, with the, the, the old-fashioned tools, uh, with just graphite or charcoal and paper. And I was used to doing that. And I feel like I'm still doing that even now that I have all these uh, magnificent tools at my disposal. I feel like I still very easily just revert to a very basic style. But 
as I work with, I, I use iPad and Procreate. As I use it more, I become more familiar with the different tricks and, and uh, uh, possibilities that it has to offer. So I'm, I'm beginning to explore that a little bit, but I'm lazy. I just do what I enjoy, and I very rarely look at actual tutorials. I did finally get a book, <laughs> and I think I took like three pages. It took three pages before I just wanted to go back to drawing. I'm like, oh, that's great. I want to try that, and then just get sidetracked. I feel like I am not um, fluent enough with my skills in drawing to really sit down and choose, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. This is the style. It kind of evolves. So what got you started in drawing? School. <laughs> I didn't have a choice. <laughs> I, uh, I went to a, a Waldorf school from when I was 10 years old, I believe. A uh, very big part of that schooling is doing art. We had to draw for every single subject in that school. And I didn't like it very much. It was definitely not a hobby of mine. When I was smaller, I, I drew all the time, but like all kids draw, nothing special. It was nothing that I felt particularly drawn to, unlike writing, which I felt like was a calling since I was seven years old. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was, uh, it was just school. They made us draw. So that's why I know how to do it. Well, that's good. So they helped you um, create kind of a style too, or you just kind of pick that up as you learned different techniques? Yeah, we, we learned the techniques, but it was, we did a lot of still lives and portraiture. Uh, life drawings, not, I mean, we learned in art, art history about different styles of painting, but the kind that they made us do ourselves was usually realistic. Oh, so is that what you normally like to draw in, or do you like to draw? Because your lines look very thought out, and I'm trying to think of how to say this. I'm not very good at describing art. I just know what I like. Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. But, like, you can see there's varying differences between, like, your World War, I think it was two, rendition when you have them up against the wall, the lines between the colors of the various, or the picture. You know, some of them, they don't have the differentiating lines, whereas other times yeah. they do. So, like, it looks very thought out, like, oh, I want people to see the crease here, or, you know, I want them to see the way that maybe this folds in, and and things like that. It's uh, funny, uh, the World War II painting that I did style-wise is, I think, very different from most of the things that I do. Now that I'm beginning to work more, I think, with light and dark and, like, highlights and shading, I, I use that a little bit more, that kind of style. But even that work started as something with a very clear outline. I just worked on it uh, longer and realized, maybe I don't actually need this outline. And I hate line arts some people are really good at like drawing over their sketches with a definitive dark line i can't do that I, it instantly takes all of the life out of the art for me uh, i think it takes a very particular type of skill that i really just don't have i prefer to leave my stuff very sketchy that's that's what's most enjoyable for me usually so for the world war ii painting i ended up just kind of erasing almost the the sketchy lines and uh, having the colors take the place that, that usually those lines would have. And uh, I was surprised, actually, that I was happy with the results because that's not something that I tried before. And I don't think I've really tried it since. <laughs> it's something that I still shy away from. Uh, and I think that's, that's still because of the fact that I'm so used to using a pencil uh, and paper and that this type, of, this type of drawing is not something that I have, I'm, I'm used to doing. 
so it's new, but it was enjoyable. So I'll probably try to do it again. But like I said, I don't really sit down with an idea in my mind of the style I'm going to do something, and it just kind of evolves at one point. You kind of um, spoke about how you use drawing as a way to get over writer's block. Was that a very, what gave you the idea to do that? I just wanted to be in fandom again. <laughs> and uh, in a sense, I felt like I wanted to give something back to fandom. Like I was passive for a very long time before I became active. But I think it was actually one of Jazz's stories that made me want to draw Supercorp. Like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. And also seeing Fiona's art, uh, Sango, um, made me think, you know, I guess this is a possibility. I wasn't... I had not been in a fandom before where people were creating art as a way to participate. I had only been uh, among fiction writers. So I kind of opened my eyes to this entire new way of being a fandom creator. Uh, so she gave me the idea and uh, I just started trying it out. And I started drawing on paper as usual. And finally, uh, my wife was like, okay, you need to buy an iPad and you need to start drawing digitally because you've been talking about it for 10 years and this is, uh, this is the time. And so I did that. I found my way into fandom and that's how I met people, started talking to people and eventually started writing again. So <laughs> it's brought me a lot of joy, a lot of friendship. So what are the differences that you've noticed between creating on an iPad and creating on paper? Uh, for me, it's been all about uh, being like finding a shortcut to get rid of uh, fear of failure. Honestly, uh, when I'm drawing on paper, every every single thing feels uh, definitive. Even if you are using a very very light touch, even though you know you can always adjust your drawings, it it's always more definitive than it will be with digital. And the discovery of just being able to undo something or erase something really quickly or working in different layers so that you can always, you know, take that layer away and go back to a previous version uh, just offers an immense type of freedom that I think has allowed me to grow with the digital drawing. So I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful that, that I got into the digital way of doing this. So when you're inspired to draw from someone else's fiction, what is it that usually causes it? Like, is it the way the story was written or like you just suddenly had an inspiration to you can see it in your mind's eye and you just wanted to draw it up? Yeah. Sometimes you know how it goes when you read a story, you just see it in your head like it's a movie. Mm -hmm. That happens to me too. And then sometimes the picture is just so striking that you think, okay, I want to capture this. Let me get this down real quick. Sometimes I actually have to stop reading so that I can draw it. You also draw like other things? Uh, I draw original sometimes. Uh, this year I started uh, taking commissions, and that has, that's been an adventure because I've never done that before, and it still blows my mind that people uh, want to pay for the things that I make. But I uh, actually drew a portrait of two uh, women that uh, I only know online, just so that was a little bit challenging. Like, okay, I want to capture your faces. Send me 15,000 pictures. <laughs> and preferably, preferably some, some videos of, of you guys, and then I can feel confident that I can actually capture what you look like. But uh, they were very happy with the results, so that made me really happy. And I've also drawn some characters for people's D&D games. I've only drawn one person that is actually like not human, and I know very little about the different races in D&D. I want to get into it, but I'm not very familiar with the, with the game yet. Is this Dungeons uh, and, and Dragons? 
Yes, yes. Sorry. Oh, that, that thing's still around? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's very big, especially now with the pandemic. A lot of people have taken their games online. Wow. I'm so out of the loop, I feel now. Okay. <laughs> well, I am too, but I've, like, I've, I have heard about uh, this game for a very long time and uh, actually know somebody now who has set up a gaming group. And uh, we did one session, and I just feel like I'm stumbling along. This is not something I've ever done before. But it was it was a lot of fun, so I hope that we'll have a second uh, session again soon. So from start to finish, how about what's the longest you've ever taken on a piece? Oh my God, you don't want to know. <laughs> I I think I've mentioned before uh, that the piece that I did for the zine last year took literal months, and I haven't quite managed to count the hours that I put in that piece, but it is a criminal amount. It is seriously something I don't ever want to put myself through again. <laughs> <laughs> that was too much. I, I became full, uh, full speed, full, uh, full force, uh, old issue, perfectionistic about it. And I, uh, I really have to look out to not have that happen again. Yeah, sometimes I get that way with my writing. Like, I can't let it go until it's perfect. And then I'm like, I probably should just let it just go and put it out there to the ether and see what happens. But yes. uh, it's it's scary when you feel very invested in something to do that. Yeah, I think I think for the zine, I got hung up on the fact that it was going to be, like, in physical form. It was going to be printed. It was going to be on people's shelves. People were going to be paying for this obviously it went to charity but still I felt like I had to go above and beyond to make something that was better than anything else I'd ever done before I still look at that and think I don't think I will I will make something that looks like that again it's like I I really tried to do the line art which I usually hate Uh, I did full backgrounds and it just uh, it took a lot of time to get right and I still look at it and think you know I wish I could have done this or, you know, if I had a little bit more time, that's ridiculous because seriously, hundreds and hundreds of hours <laughs> of work is just, uh, yeah, not, not a good idea. And I feel with Vic the same, the same thing. And I think that I, I don't know if that's what you meant about when you're writing, feeling like at one point you just need to throw it out there. It's hard to decide when something is done. Mm-hmm. It really is. Unless like, Sometimes you get that warm, fuzzy feeling like, wow, this is just, this is just it. This is good. And then you put it out there. Yes. But then you still have to worry slightly about rejection. But, um, yeah, to a degree, I'm, I'm okay with rejection because Are you? <laughs> when I'm talking one on one to someone, I'm far more worried about rejection than I am like throwing like my work out into the world because I know that not everyone's going to like it and I don't have any desire for everyone to like it. I just, I'm happy with whoever does like it. Does that make sense? Good. Yeah, it does. um, It's extremely healthy and realistic. (laughs) But the first time I put my um, work out there, that was like sweating bullets and checking the kudos count and seeing what people were saying about it. You know, it was over. It was overkill, <laughs> really. But was your first one a one shot, or did you do chaptered right away? I the first one I did was the Woman of Steel one, which was a random one shot. So it was basically their lives, just not chronological. So like, if I get an mm-hmm. idea for like a mini story, like this, I guess um, 
you know, Life in Pieces. Have you seen that movie, uh, that show? I have, yeah. That's kind of like that, but um, Alpha, Beta, Omega. So. Oh, I see. It, it, it allowed me more freedom. The My Fine Frenzy, that was more of a, it was supposed to be like a one-shot, but then became a multi-factor. It did get out of hand, but. I have such a I have such a short attention span because I have to reread the story over and over again, and so Me as too. I'm rereading the story, I'm fixing the mistakes I did that I did. So like it might change the entire plot line when I do that. So I'm like, okay, this is the problem of being a panther. <laughs> but yes, I, actually, I, yes. <laughs> The chaptered versus one shot thing. I never thought that I would actually put something in chapters up on on AO3 before knowing that I had I had everything. Small edits, fine, but not actually being in the act of of writing it still. But I've only written shorter stuff before, and I have that same habit that you just talked about, where I feel like I need to reread the story again before I can continue with it. But it just became longer and longer and longer. And every time I passed over it, I just started adjusting this and messing with this. And I guess one of the things that art, doing art, has taught me is that there is such a thing as over-messing, ending up kind of taking the life out of it, trying to make it too perfect. And I try to incorporate that lesson that I learned into my writing. I even have a little uh, post-it note on my computer now that says, keep it sloppy, because sometimes that is, it's more fun to write and mm -hmm. i think in a sense or very often it can also be more fun to read yeah beth has told me my pacing's been off for of the fine frenzy but i'm just like you know i'm just writing what i can think about so i'm okay with yeah. it it's the it's the first time how did you deal with the rejection of putting in the yumi and holiday wine out or did you were you worried about that i i wasn't worried i was prepared i knew that as a rule, I think that what I've witnessed online anyway is that at least on Tumblr, and that's that's how I was familiar with my fandom presence, putting stuff on Tumblr and, and having people share it and reblog and like it and kind of determining the value of the work by how many notes it got, which I got away from later, which was good. Uh, but still, that was kind of the mechanic that I knew. And I had noticed that when people put links to their fic up on Tumblr, uh, they were getting a lot less interaction. Uh, it doesn't get reblogged as often, doesn't get shared as often. And obviously you need to like look at the uh, number of comments that you get on AO3 and kind of gauge from that how popular something is or how often it gets read. But I'd also felt like much more of a, a crapshoot. It's like you can be lucky and get it seen or you can disappear on the radar and uh, we'll get much uh, much less, much fewer, what is, how do you say that? A lot uh, fewer uh, hits. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot less interaction. So I kind of prepared myself. I was like, okay, you're not going to get the numbers that you usually see when you post it and when you post a piece of art. Uh, so just, you know, make sure that you know what you're doing this for. Make sure that you're writing because you enjoy it and because this story has been living in your head for a year and a half and it's time to get it out. <laughs> and uh, because you made some promises to some uh, very aggressively affectionate friends to uh, to get it out there. <laughs> So um, that was much more my reason for putting it, uh, actually publishing it on, uh, on AO3. And so the response has been just a gift, just a bonus. So I was prepared for just having very minimal kind of interaction. And it could basically only be up from there. And it worked out. 
I've been very happy with the response. Very lucky too. Nice. So how do you maintain your motivations when you feel like maybe you don't want to be keep doing something? I think that um what honestly has helped me is give myself permission to step away and not tell myself, "Oh, if I quit now, that means I quit." And that means all the work I've done until now won't matter. Uh because it doesn't need to it doesn't need to mean that it's an end. It's perfectly possible to pick it up again later. Just um I think that what I did in the past was kind of force myself to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh and that instantly sucks the joy out of it and it kind of becomes this vicious cycle of oh well I'm not enjoying this well then it means the product is going to suck more <laughs> and that means I'm enjoying it even less and it just kind of devolves uh whereas if I take a break step away have a snack don't think about it for 6 weeks and then go back and often I'm like wait this is fine or you know that's super easy to fix so um I guess just give myself permission to to honestly just not bother for a while and uh acknowledge that it's fine to come back to later. Was it hard to kind of gain that to give yourself that permission? Yeah, because when I stopped writing and I kind of have to put that in the quotation marks because I didn't fully stop, but I stopped like publishing, I guess. Uh like a decade passed. <laughs> uh of me not picking it up again. So, uh I have that that horrific notion in the back of my head like if I stop, I may just completely fall out of the habit and not do it for 10 years. So, I try not to just slide back into that. Uh and I I think that I am much more uh in control and in charge of my life and my energy and my inspiration these days than I was uh 10 years ago. So, Let's wrap this up a little bit with talking about how you've been taking care of yourself since it's been a worldwide pandemic and you know what do you do to kind of keep your sanity almost I feel like I've gone through stages as the pandemic has uh, has gone on like in the beginning I did what I think a lot of people have have done pick up new hobbies new projects I got into uh, gardening a lot even though I only have a tiny balcony <laughs> I got into well not got into but I started cooking more elaborately it's something that I have always enjoyed but because my wife has been gone uh since a little bit before the pandemic started I had been cooking a lot less because cooking for one person is just boring but I got into that a little bit more again and I drew a lot more kind of thing that was different for me from a lot of other people's experiences is what that I did have to continue to work a lot of people had to stay home uh do whatever lost their jobs which uh awful i'm very mm-hmm. glad that didn't happen to me but i'm a, i'm an essential worker so they they just had us keep coming to the office which was a little bit a little bit strange a little bit scary because you didn't know how serious things were and what a risk that we were taking still working mm-hmm. every day and it felt like the rest of the world had stopped and we were still going on which was interesting and terrifying and also a little bit exhausting every mm-hmm. it felt like everybody else was bored and we were just you know going full speed ahead and having to deal with the pandemic on top of everything else was uh yeah it it was challenging sounds like it yeah <laughs> i i think that in a way the being active in fandom and hanging out with that group of people in particular has been a big help it definitely offered a way to still socialize 
without having to actually hang out with people mm-hmm. uh, physically. The producing art and then eventually writing again brought me a lot of joy and gratification, validation. <laughs> so it was nice to have that to kind of be able to lean on and drag me through. Yeah, this when this first started, it was very weird because life did kind of stop here, especially for mm-hmm. me. You know, they closed down shop and then because my dad is triple vulnerable, I'm like, okay, this is good. I can take care of him. It made it was both a good and bad thing because now I'm constantly around him. Yeah. So, and then I'm like, my day gets cut up because I have to take him to treatments, to doctor's appointments. And it made doing those things easier when before, when it started, it was hard because I had to do the job. And then once the pandemic just kept going, it's just like, oh God, I needed something to do. So, and I went and started to do fan fiction and now the podcast. So, yay. Yeah, yeah I think you've, you've had an excellent idea because uh, it kind of like you grow it from having a hobby, right? Or something that you enjoy. You write and read fiction and you have creative friends and then you are looking for a way to still keep in touch with people to to bring that back into your life the socialization feeling like you're still meeting new people and learning from each other i guess uh so i i'm I'm really glad that you found something like that and i think that it's going to be a gift to fandom as well as at least to me (laughs) i'm very happy that you're doing this because i can't help can't uh wait to hear from uh from everybody else i'm so curious about what everybody has to say it's kind of funny because like i don't actually have a lot of queer real friends in real life because I just kind of came out as queer and I'm still getting used to that sexual idea and the idea of a new identity. And so as Mm -hmm. I was starting to try to make new queer friends, the pandemic hit. So I'm just like, "Eh." you know, I didn't know anybody well enough. I'm like, okay, how do I try to keep pushing forward and seeing, uh, you know, not become stunted by being hidey hoed in my home. So the yeah, podcast that, definitely did that. And it's like, it's scary. <laughs> it's, it's good. It's amazing. Because, yeah, we, I think that we sometimes kind of forget how, how much of us kind of gets created in a relationship to other people. And if that just falls away, and I feel so bad for a lot of young people right now, too, because they're missing a, a big chunk of just socialization, like how to be together, how to maintain relationships. It's just, it's all put on hold put in such a different shape than it's supposed to be and I, I do wonder how how they're going to cope with this and I'm, I'm very glad because yeah that that's important uh, an important development a very you should be very proud that you found something that could help you still instead of just sitting back and being like well I guess this is not happening it's been a it's been a good thing um well I think this might be a good place to stop what do you think okay any last thing you'd like to say before we say later uh, Supercorp Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, uh, no other famous last words. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and talking with me and engaging in my little moment of weird. Um, thank you so much for having me. And we're out. All right, my lovely fan beans. That's today's show. You can follow and connect with Easter on Tumblr and AO3 at eKingston, Instagram at eakingston2019 and on Twitter at Easter Kingston. After that, come follow me on Tumblr and Twitter at Fandom Is Us. 
and on AO3 as Ayaka Spencer. Don't forget you can find links and more on the free companion post at patreon.com slash down the fandom hole. While you're there, don't forget to check out what other cool perks and benefits you can enjoy as a subscriber. And finally, a deep heartfelt thank you to those amazing supporters who have already subscribed. Your reason this show is possible. Much love and aloha to everyone. Thank you for listening. <laughs>